Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader, and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Robbie Lockie from Plant-Based News, a content platform and creative agency in London, UK. Robbie was born in Zimbabwe, Africa, where he started his career in digital design in 1999. He then came to London a year later to further his career in design, media and communications. He's worked with several large brands, including BMW UK, Mercedes-Benz, Microsoft, the Royal Navy, Jamie Oliver and Getty Images. In 2016, he co-produced a short documentary, Swine, for UK animal charity Viva and has been involved in a number of online campaigns, including Move Your Money, a charity helping to raise awareness around ethical banking. Robbie co-founded Plant-Based News, aka PBN, with Klaus Mitchell in 2017 to act as a global platform for change. Operating for two years previously as a YouTube channel, the brand has experienced fast growth, currently reaching three to five million people a week via the website and its social media channels. PBN Creative is the agency arm that helps ethical brands with a range of digital services, including web design, branding and promotional videos. This included managing the website infrastructure rebuild and relaunch for Veganuary. In this interview, Robbie discusses the three questions you need to ask yourself before creating a piece of content for your vegan business. What to do if you put your content out on social media and it doesn't get engagement? How to grab a viewer's attention with a video in the first three seconds? The pros and cons of a video marketing strategy PBN uses that involves rebranding and sharing other people's content. How a new cross-posting feature on Facebook can benefit brands who agree to collaborate. PBN's point of difference and how it managed to enter and stand out in a crowded marketplace. What to take into account when paying online platforms to produce branded content for you. And much more. Here's the interview with Robbie Lockie of Plant-Based News. Hello, Robbie. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hello, Katrin. Lovely to uh, lovely to talk. Oh, I'm very excited about uh, interviewing you because I've been so impressed by the rise of plant-based news. Um, you've really kind of come onto the scene as a really strong, powerful media platform around a vegan and plant-based news and getting lots and lots of views and uh, and eyes on your posts and everything. So we'll we'll dig a little in, a bit into that as we go along. But the first question I ask everyone is their why. Now I know you've got a really strong yeah. background in advertising and you've worked for some really high-end agencies and brands and now you're focused on plant-based news which has got some different branches to it so tell mm-hmm. us a little bit first of all um, how and why did plant-based news come about and what are your reasons for doing it 
Sure. Um, so I've been working in design, digital design, content strategy, things like that for almost well, about 18 years now. Um, I'm born uh, in Zimbabwe in Africa and I came to the UK when I was around 18 and I've always had a passion for the internet really since I was very, very young. I've been using it since probably since I was like 15, 16. So that's um, a long, long time. <laughs> I'm 38 years old now. So I, um, I'll let the audience do the mathematics on that. <laughs> um, but I've always had a passion for it because I've always felt that, you know, this tool is an incredible way of connecting people and getting information out there instantly. Um, so I've been working in the agency world, you know, working for advertising and media companies for most of my professional career. And then about two years ago, um, Actually, no, that's incorrect. About five years ago, um, I decided I wanted to do more ethical work. So more work around social change, charities, um, you know, public bodies, things like that. I got involved in uh, an organization, a charity called Love 146, which is a abolition of child slavery. And from there, I kind of started doing more and more work around charities and social change. Then I went vegan um, and just everything changed for me then really. I sort of my passion for campaigning and activism really just sort of exploded. Um, and I realized that, you know, using my skills as a communicator, as a designer, as a kind of editor, that I could you know, educate and transform people's views and opinions and paradigms really when it came to, you know, the vegan message. Wonderful. So, yeah, so I was running a business called Love Rita Studios, which was my own kind of mini agency where I created content and did websites and did videos and things like that. And I just realized that, um, you know, I needed something else. I wanted to be part of a team. Klaus Mitchell, who's uh, my a very good friend and business partner about a year and a half ago uh, approached me and said, do you want to help out with the Facebook page? And around the time that class approached me, I think we had sort of maybe 3000, 4000 likes. Um, and I just sort of jumped on board and, you know, I've been using Facebook since the beginning. I know it inside out, back to front. Uh, I know all the tricks and, and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and I just, just, I just sort of put a lot of energy into building the page. And I think as of this week, we've got 104,000 likes, which, Fantastic. you know, is, yeah, it's been amazing just to see it grow. And, and then, uh, you know, obviously we've, I built us a website where we could put articles and we started getting approached by people from all over the world to write content and articles. And it's just sort of grown up and, and become an, a sort of, uh, you know, a, shall I say, a real established space where we can communicate the vegan message, the ethical message, the environmental message, the health message. Um, so that's where you'll see we've divided the kind of the offerings, or I call them content verticals, into three areas. So it's PBN health, which is sort of personal health, um, the environment, PBN environment, which is um, sustainability, information about environmental catastrophes, destruction, things like that, and obviously positive stories too. And then obviously um, PBN activism and ethics, which is proving quite popular. So it's all the kind of videos about vegan activism, um, animal welfare, and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I noticed you'd, you'd um, branched out to and even created separate Facebook pages for those three threads as well. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, so we will have, we'll have those you, conversations. You're making work for yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We just felt like channeling everything into one page might not necessarily be the best way to do it because obviously, you know, um, the message we're communicating is quite broad. And also, I mean, we have, our strategy is just sort of break out of the vegan bubble. Um, the vegan bubble can, can sometimes contain people who make vegan content for vegans. And what can happen is that you have a bunch of what, what they say, nodding dogs, where every Everyone kind of just nods and agrees with you. <laughs> yeah. um, and really what we want to do is we want to attract non-vegans. We want to attract the people who are the, you know, vegan curious and even the meat eaters who are environmentally conscious. Um, and we can talk a bit more about why that is later, if you like. Cool. Fantastic. No, I love that. And you're, yeah, you're right. It's like it's great to be creating stuff for vegans, but you, you really want to be yeah reaching out to the mainstream and getting them interested. So I love the Absolutely. way you've taken yeah different creative ways and strands of doing that to entice people um, who otherwise may be scared or turned off by, you know, kind of full on vegan messages. But um, that's great. So what were some of your challenges when you start up? It sounds like obviously you know, having a handle on Facebook is a major advantage. Um, but what were some of your challenges? involved when starting up PBN? The challenges, I guess, is kind of managing all the content. Um, there's so much great stuff out there, and it's just knowing what to share, when to share it. Um, that's always been a challenge because, obviously, you know, dealing with a global audience, it's quite hard to decide when to share things. And also, when you create a piece of content, you never really know how well it's going to do. Um, you know, and it's kind of, it sometimes can feel a bit overwhelming because you think, I spend all this energy and time on something and then you put it out there and nobody clicks on it and you think, has anyone actually seen it? Um, you know, even if we have a uh, hundred thousand likes on our Facebook page, maybe only 10% of those people will see that content because that's the way, unfortunately, mm -hmm. they call it the pay to play social yeah. network, which <laughs> is what Facebook is. Um, but yeah, there are a few things that we, you know, that, that seem to work. Um, but it's just refining it, refining it and refining it and, and just, and also being, um, aware of what everyone else is doing and looking at what content does work so a lot of the challenges are to, mostly to do with time um at the you know at the time when we first started i was i had a full-time job and it was very difficult to sort of try and juggle everything so yes i can imagine especially putting out the amount of content that you do and i think that's something that really that a lot of vegan business owners do find a challenging particularly when they're bootstrapping is getting themselves seen and heard amongst the crowd and obviously content marketing is an important way to achieve that and i think you've done a you know you've done a really really great job of getting your content viewed and shared um and i know that some of your posts you know you've got hundreds or you know tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of views on some of them especially on Facebook. So are there any tips that you can offer vegan business owners on how to yeah, get more views, more likes and more shares on their content? I think there's a few things that, that need to happen is that when you create a piece of content, you have to ask yourself the question, how will I entertain? How will I amuse? How will I inform? And, you know, if your piece, if your, you know, your content goes out and it doesn't do well pull it down and rethink it um you know that's what we try to do we don't do it with everything but we try to uh, that try to sort of employ that approach as much as possible um mm. because we think that if something isn't engaging and interesting uh, and captivating then it's 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 either boring or it's too long or it, it, it doesn't really hit the mark now with facebook specifically you have to think about kind of user behavior and psychology so when a person is on the app 
um, on the Facebook app on their phone, which is where most people will be probably browsing Facebook. They're scrolling down the newsfeed and they will pass your video and they'll pass your piece of content. You literally have less than one second to grab that person's attention. In fact, the videos for in the first three seconds is really where you'll get someone. And that's why some of our videos, you'll see these square videos with the big like captions across the top and the bottom. Yeah. Um, so that's what we use, kind of simple, um, bold statements to kind of grab a person's attention. Because I think, you know, humans are creatures of the eye, um, unless obviously you're visually impaired. You, you, you ca- you're captured by what you see. And if it's kind of interesting or familiar, someone will stop on the newsfeed, click on the video and then start to watch it or click through to the link. So always try and make sure that your titles and your captions and everything are really thought out. Don't rush things. Don't kind of just, stick anything up like spend some time thinking about it look at what your competition are doing look at what other people in a similar vertical to you are doing um don't necessarily copy them but try and sort of um imitate the the formula in the way Mm. that they communicate yeah that's really really good advice actually and uh, you've mentioned um video and obviously that is becoming you know incredibly popular and you're right particularly because uh, i think facebook has autoplay automatically enabled unless yeah. you manually mm-hmm. take it away and i know i get sucked in you yeah. know i'll scroll through and see a bundle <laughs> of baby cat you know kittens or, or something and i you know I'll, I'll tend to stop and just go oh isn't that lovely and watch it so you know i think we, we could all be yeah drawn into that now with video marketing i noticed video marketing i noticed with one of your strategies which i'm I'm curious about is that you you often take um like or use other people's content and then you sort of put plant-based news at the top of the bottom and you usually mm-hmm. attribute the original um maker of the video so how does that work like are there certain videos that you can just do that with or do you have to collaborate with the the person and get permission how does that kind of work it's a real gray area i mean on social media because it's somebody else's platform that you're pushing on and because because of the sheer volume of content, often it's quite difficult to police uh, copyrights and a lot of um, people build huge audiences from sharing other people's content. And for the most part, unofficially, you probably can get away with it. Officially and legally, obviously, sharing other people's content without permission or specifically copyright content, you can be penalized. And we have learned the hard way of sometimes sharing something, a creative video from another platform, uh, from another page, and they have issued a copyright um, strike. Obviously, we've written, you can, write a counter um a counter message to them you can apologize you can you can request it be removed things like that and a lot of a lot of companies don't mind removing it because they um they understand that people just want to share their content and most people are more than prepared to explain that that you know their policy is not to allow um native they call it native sharing into a person's timeline um now there are sort of gray areas around editorial content so like if you you know we're a news platform so we're reporting on something so there's a sort of fair use policy around like talking about a topic so we can clip clip in bits of video um but yeah it's a real gray area it's a difficult one really i mean you know what we do try to do is that attribute and uh link to anyone that we share and a lot of the time we do ask for permission and people say absolutely fine because we're promoting um what they're doing really yeah, so um, exactly yeah. i was going to ask that there seems to be you know what the benefits are there's obviously i guess a benefit to you in that you don't have to create continually create original content and also the yeah. person who created it may well get a lot more views like way more views than they might on their own yeah. platform. So how and does when, that work uh, yeah. in terms of the views robbie so when you share when you do that strategy um and then it gets lots of views do other views are they shared or are they mainly 
plant-based and it's mm-hmm. like attributed to PBN or whoever does it. I've seen other people do the strategy as well. How does that kind of work? So if we, if you download a video of somebody else's, um, make a copy of that file and re-upload it into your page, whether that's YouTube or Facebook, specifically on Facebook, obviously those views are only for that cop, your copy of the video, not right, right. the person you, you have uh, copied it from. However, there's a new, there's a new function called Facebook cross-posting, whereas if you have a relationship with another page, what they can do is they can enable you as a cross-posting partner if they give you permission to use a video con- piece of content then they can enable you as a cross-posted video um, partner and then that video then becomes available to you on your Facebook page where you can then push it to your page with your own caption etc etc obviously including a, a link to the to the page that's created it which is what most people do and then both pages will share the views and the analytics so oh, okay. um yeah that's so the allows cool. kind of pages who partner and it, it really relies on both pages to promote the content to their audience um if one's got a much much bigger um audience and obviously naturally the you know the larger number of views will come from the larger page but that's that's not that's it's difficult to say because it's so unpredictable because if the smaller page happens to have one influencer on it who has a huge following that one influencer could then share it to their x million you know like page and then it could just exponentially grow so you never know that's the amazing thing about social media you never know who sees your piece of content and how big their following might be yes yeah, exactly, exactly. How important is page reach, particularly on Facebook? Like we, you touched on this earlier about how it being pay to play. I mean, you put PBN certainly gets lots of likes and views on there. And yeah. I mean, you've obviously got lots of followers. But um, I'm just wondering, like, is it a strategy that you use or are you finding that now that you're becoming quite well known that you're getting more organic likes? We get all our stuff's organic. Like we don't really pay for anything. I think we've paid for maybe one or two things in all the time that we've worked um, worked on this project, only mm-hmm. just as an experiment. Um, page reach is interesting. Like on our best days, we reach six and or six, on our best days, we've reached about six and a half million people a week. Wow. Um, and you know that all that reach means is that someone has seen a piece of content that you produce. Doesn't necessarily mean they've engaged. Um, doesn't necessarily mean they've engaged with it, if that makes sense. It means that they've seen it. So, for example, if they've scrolled past a video, that doesn't necessarily mean they've actually stopped and watched the whole video. And that's the tricky thing with Facebook oh, because a, a video view only um, means three seconds. So if a person's scrolled past and stopped for three seconds and then keeps going, that's counted as a view. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> that's a bit... Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Facebook's okay. very, very um, kind of... I don't want to say underhanded, but they obviously skew the numbers that you see as a user and a customer to sort of their advantage, if that makes sense. Got it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, thank you for sharing that. I've been curious about that because I've seen a few people do it. So it was, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting. So we're in the midst of a plant-based vegan revolution. So we've got a lot more players in the arena. We've got ethical vegan brands and we've also got you know, some non-vegan run businesses, including some really large brands that are sort of, yeah. I guess, cashing in on the trend. So I'm curious, what advice would you have for vegan businesses on how to stand out both within and outside of the, you know, among other vegan businesses and also attracting and main, uh, mainstream customers? For me, and when I always say to people as a marketeer, be bold, be brave, and uh, don't imitate people, be, be innovative. Like, look at what your competition are doing and obviously 
you know, try and mirror, mirror the, the sort of the things that are working. But I think, you know, when it comes to sort of selling yourself or your product, it really needs to your passion and your love for what you're doing really needs to come through um, because, you know, and that, and that needs to come across the entire package whether that's like the way your your products are kind of you know bottled up or packaged up uh to your branding to your social media to the way you talk about your product everything really needs to sort of burst with that passion and and you know um you know it needs to be it really needs to shine because i think a lot of the a lot of the time people are very good at one thing within their business they're good at making something within the marketing and all of that and the packaging often lets them down you know you can have the most amazing pack uh, product in the world but if it's packaged badly and branded badly um and it's not sort of like you know people don't really understand what it is it's not going to sell um but then you know then also on the on the on the other side of that sometimes you know you get a product that is so good it tastes so good um that word of mouth is powerful enough to carry the product and the business and it just keeps going or in or in, in another scenario it's the only product in its space for example so like a vegan um meat product say might be the only one in its space and so no, there are no alternatives but it happens to taste great so obviously everybody um shares it and talks about it because it's what's it's the only thing that's there and then obviously more people can then come to the space offering um, you know, a more strategic approach to with regards to like branding or marketing, and then you could potentially easily be knocked off your pedestal if that makes exactly, sense. Exactly, yeah. Which I think we've probably seen over the years, you know, because people are no longer you're no longer the only vegan cheese or the only yeah. vegan meat. So yeah, so yeah. you have to up your game. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. So in terms of, I'm curious how. What do you think is the difference between plant based news? Because obviously there's some you know big vegan media platforms that have been around for some time, and then you've managed to come into this space. What do you think? makes you stand out and has made your content popular? I think most of the big vegan ones that are out there at the moment tend to focus just on written content. Um, so Klaus and I very much, um, our energy and our focus is on video content and storytelling um, and making it feel more personal. Um, that is the idea, really. And I think that's the main the main point. Plant-Based News obviously started on YouTube two years ago. Klaus started um, the the channel, the YouTube channel, and he built it up around the idea of a collaborative approach. So he had people from all over the world kind of acting as correspondents, uh, reporting on news um, in the local area or kind of globally. So, I mean, it, it had a more personal feel to it and and obviously a bit more kind of young, hip, and, hip, hip, I hate the way hate to say sort of <laughs> hip and trendy, but it kind of, it feels more, more fun and youthful. Um, like we design everything we designed, we wanted to look beautiful. We wanted to look really kind of like sexy and kind of engaging. So. Got it, got it. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. It's interesting because I know people are, are interested, you know, maybe starting a blog or a YouTube channel. So it's mm. good for them to hear these kind of things about how to, as you say, you sort of stand out among the rest. Yeah, pick one thing and focus on it. I think our, our kind of strength is video and that's where we put all our energy, I think. Yeah, cool. No, fantastic. Now, you mentioned you've come from an advertising background. You work in the creative side, but you, you've worked for the ad agencies. So what are your thoughts now on paid ads in, say, traditional media? Um as a and or sponsored content they keep changing the names native advertising or branded content sponsored content is it worth it and if so how and why do you mean sponsored content in 
printed media in or... other media yeah particularly in printed media but also potentially in online media as well so you know like sometimes you see at the end right. of an article at the guardian or wherever it is recommended by and it's actually sponsored right. content so you know ah, yes. brands have paid to but it looks like an editor piece of editorial yes. that's actually been paid for what are your thoughts around that um, sort of just regarding printed media first, I mean, we've tried a lot and I've tried personally a lot over the years to, to use printed media. And the reason I don't necessarily like it is because you can't measure it. You can't measure how many people have engaged unless you use kind of coupon codes and things like that. I'm not a massive fan. Of, I'm a digital person myself and I like the digital aspect because you can measure it. Now, um, when it comes to sort of editorial advertorial type content paid for inclusion things like that i love it because i think that what you can do is you can create a piece of content that is branded but then it's also kind of fits to your audience and i think that's my piece of advice really is that if you create a piece of content that you want to place on a platform someone's platform then you need to make sure that you give the platform um kind of the the power to be able to craft that piece of content so that it fits within the narrative of their normal kind of broadcast because if we're broadcasting you know it's 24 7 talking about fluffy bunnies and then suddenly like an ad pops up talking about like i don't know scary monkeys or something it's, it's totally <laughs> off brand or off, off off the story and i think it doesn't the audience doesn't want to kind of feel you know um have something that pop up that's kind of jarring it needs to sort of feel natural not saying we want to kind of like manipulate our audience but we want to make sure that the the experience is continuous and i think if you slot in a piece of paid for advertising it needs to feel like the rest of the conversation for the brand, for the platform you're kind of placing your ad in. Got it, got it. So it's got its place alongside uh, what we call earned media, which is what I yeah. help people with, you know, to actually get kind of free publicity. Um, but you yeah. also think that branded content, particularly in the digital space, is worthwhile. Yeah, I think, for, you know, like I say, hand over responsibility to to the platform and ask them what works for their audience rather than saying, rather than being, really prescriptive and and being very specific about what you want uh, your ad to look like and what you want the story to be written by there's a um give you an example so there's a, a um a, in london there's a kebab vegan kebab stall um who've done really really well um and they're great and they've asked us to create a piece of um, branded content and instead of us kind of just writing a, a story about them what we've done is we want to write a piece of content that talks about like the benefits of having a vegan doner kebab over a meat one and the kind of a, a, the ethical and environmental savings you make by making that switch so it's not just a kind of boring advert but it's also an interesting piece about the product and the benefits behind it right right which we're seeing quite a lot of I know like sometimes brands like tissue brands for example may like they, they make nice little stories and you watch it and you've no idea until the end that it's actually made um, by a brand you know they can make yeah. a nice little short story exactly. and maybe you think oh that's so lovely it's really heartwarming and at the end it's like you know made by you know a name of a big tissue company or something so yeah, yeah. so and it's all creates brand recall doesn't it because i think when you when you have an emotional connection to something you you're much more likely to remember it for sure, for sure. Now, talking about this, so you, you mentioned that you actually work with brands. So as well as creating this content for people, um, obviously, you've also got a branch of PBN called PBN Creative, where you do actually yeah. work and create uh, content for other brands. So tell us a little bit about that and the kinds of services you offer and how that works for, yeah, partic yeah particularly small business who are, who are just starting out. 
Yeah, so the idea with PBN Creative is that will be a um, kind of vertical within PBN Limited to kind of fund what we do um, and what we'll offer and what we do offer within that is kind of video services, video editing. So all the stuff that you see on PBN, kind of whether it's like articles or content writing or um, copywriting, microsites, things like that, um, we can build and create that stuff fairly quickly at you know at a, at a reasonable cost because we're not like a big company, so we've got a small teams so we can produce things um, that look good um, quite quickly. Got it, got it. Now, so how do you decide then whether to run a story, which is obviously like just editorial, and obviously a brand would you know get kind of free benefit from that? And how do you decide between that and perhaps approaching a brand to say, right, let's do some branded content where you pay us, and then they get to, I guess, use that content how they want? Is that how it works? I'm just kind of curious about how you yeah decide what to include as editorial versus branded content. Yeah, it's a good question, and I think this is what we ask ourselves all the time. I mean, we we ask. So when when a company approaches us and says, "Can you write about us?" We say, "Well, we'd love to." Um, you know, PBN is um, you know we're our, we're a functioning business now, so we 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 charge a you know an inclusion fee for kind of advertorial type content. If the brand says no or we can't afford it or whatever, then we work with them to kind of create something at least that kind of tells their story. So we always sort of test the waters really and say and suggest um, suggest that we'd like to do um, an advertorial piece because an advertorial piece, a paid for piece, allows us to spend a lot more time. We could do more research, we could make graphics, we could do video, we could do all kinds of interesting things to make the piece of content more shareable because I think you know our articles we don't spend hours and hours and hours on them they are often kind of you know a couple of hours work so we don't necessarily you know if we did an advertorial sorry an editorial piece about a product or service or company it would just be very short and brief um so yeah got it okay okay so they get something more in depth if it's branded content okay no cool no this is good to know it's good to know um so what would you say um are some of the key things that vegan business owners make when they're particularly in the beginning when they're starting out and what should they do instead so could you ask that question again <laughs> um so with uh, vegan business owners that are, are starting out i'm i'm just curious as to what you think some of the mistakes they make right. um, in the beginning um, okay. yeah and what they should do instead i think it goes for all businesses i think sometimes when people start they try and do everything um and when customers sort of come to the company or the business, it's, people get a bit confused as to what it is the company's offering. I think that's why I said a bit before, is like find one thing and do it really, really well and then branch out from there. Um, we've kind of employed that tactic where we built up our main Facebook page to 100,000 and then we've branched out into other areas. And I think that's the best advice I, said I, could, I could give, I guess, is to create a solid foundation, um, create a solid audience base first and then expand from there and don't try and kind of do everything at once because if you're just starting out bootstrapping a startup you're only going to have uh, limited money and time and energy and stuff so yeah, simplify and do it really well yeah that's very good advice and I was going to ask you about that because like you seem very savvy in you know all the kind of tool you know you've been working in the digital world for some time so when people are starting out and that's great advice about what to focus on first particularly in terms of creating their content so we've got you know social media there's PR there's AdWords there's a whole heap of apps and technology and it's all changing and it can be quite overwhelming for vegan business owners yeah. so in terms of like what what should they start on 
first? Like, do they get their website in place first? And do they then, like, maybe get social in? And when do they kind of, I guess, some, I often get asked people, what do I start with? You know, because like you just said, trying to do everything all at once can be quite overwhelming. So what do you recommend people start with? Should they, like, is the website the first thing that they should get? And then maybe add a shopping cart and social? Like, how does it work? And in what order do you recommend? Before anything is done, I recommend people do what's called a business canvas. Have you heard of this? No, I don't get so it. A business, can- business plan, or that's it's a bit like a business plan, but it's a visual tool that you stick on the wall and use post-its and you create columns. And essentially, what you do is you you create all these columns which talk about like who are your suppliers, who are your um, you know customers, who are, who what are your marketing channels, where's your income coming from, and it is like a it is like a business plan, but it's done in a way where you can kind of use post-it notes and stick them on this kind of this this grid and decide on how everything kind of works and i think that that is one of the four sort of problems that a lot of business people start off with when they begin is that they don't make a solid plan and they don't think through where they're going and how they're going to get there they kind of just start and i mean sometimes it's good to just get on with it and start because you can talk about starting a business for years and years and years and and never get on with it (laughs) (laughs) but a business canvas is a great way to sort of say right what is my product how am I going to sell it? How am I going to fund it? What are my marketing channels? And really kind of get a bird's eye view of, of what you need and when you need it. Um, and then I guess to go from there is to start thinking about the product and, and how you're going to create it. And that's, that's really kind of the, the first port, port of call. And then how are you going to sell it? Are you going to build a website and eat with an e-commerce platform? How are you going to pay for that? If you've got money, if you've got funding, do you need to create a Kickstarter Um to generate a bit of revenue to help get you going. So, I mean, money is often the big thing that stops people. Um, you know, not, not everyone has the ability to sort of like generate capital, but I think there are so many ways in which you can raise, you know, several hundred pounds, which can get you started. It can get you a simple website and get you a domain name. You know, so there's always where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So what I'm hearing in terms of marketing, then a website is still really important nowadays. Absolutely, I know some yeah. businesses I've seen that they just rely on having a Facebook page and not an actual independent website. What's your thoughts on that? It depends on what you're selling. Um, I think if you're if you're offering a service to people directly, I think sometimes a Facebook page is absolutely fine because you can sell through a Facebook page. So say like you're a life coach or something like that, you can do everything through a Facebook page and what you could do is you could redirect a url to your facebook page mm-hmm. so you know www.robbylocky.com i could redirect that to my personal facebook page and not worry about a website but i think with a website it just gives you more control over the kind of content that you want to create and put on there and blogs and things like that and also you have a you know a, you have a potential for a much bigger audience uh, with a website well, obviously with facebook it requires so much energy and effort to build up the audience. Whereas a website, what you could do is you could market it in other ways um, that, and using kind of natural search and stuff like that. If you started writing blogs and things, you could potentially attract hundreds of thousands of people fairly quickly if you set your website up in a way that, you know, was it was indexed well by Google and, yeah. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I guess you can, you've got the option of people being able to opt into your own list as well and then market. Yeah, build way. your own audience, yeah, via a email MailChimp type list, absolutely. Yeah. 
cool. Now, I noticed when I was doing some research on you that one of your previous clients says about you in their LinkedIn recommendations that you're the only creative they've ever met that's obsessed with organization and structure. So <laughs> tell, us, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that, the importance of that, and if there's any systems or tools that you can mm-hmm. recommend to help vegan business owners run their operations more efficiently. Absolutely. So why I've always found working with large groups of people, even sort of anyone over like four, is that humans are not <laughs> naturally organized beings. Um, you know, we and we, we struggle with information overload. Um, and when it comes to sort of managing tasks, you know, it's very difficult to juggle everything. You know, you've got your personal life, you've got your work life. And oh, yeah. sometimes people tend to have everything coming into the same inbox. And I just think that that is a major, major no-no. Oh, Don't have all your tasks and all your things coming in um, into one inbox because it's very hard to sort of like separate your personal messages and your personal content, your personal tasks with your work tasks. So as a business owner, make sure you have a separate inbox first and keep everything separate, all your tasks separate. Now, um, I use um, a platform called Asana, which is like a task and project management platform. And you can be very small and use it and you can be very big and use it. It doesn't really matter the size of your business. And what it does is it really gets task management out of the inbox, out of the email box. Because I think that, you know, what you want to do is you want to break your tasks down or your projects down as much as possible and, ref- and, and kind of, you know, break them up and also split them out amongst the team. Because often what happens in teams is that people can end up overlapping and doing the same work and it can all become very, very confusing. And with things like Asana Project Management Tool, also Basecamp is very, very similar. You know, it allows, yeah, it allows you to sort of like take a big kind of um, project and break it up into lots of little chunks. And then those chunks can then be broken down into further chunks. And then you can sort of work your way through it and divvy out the kind of chunks to different parts of the team. And I think, you know, I've always seen um, projects get, done much more quickly much more efficiently in this way through this sort of this type of of thinking and working and then there's things like slack slack is a tool it's a communication tool yeah that we use um at pbn instead of email i don't like um the team or the contributors or volunteers to email each other or us to email each other because i just think it's an inefficient way to communicate email really is for external communication so from your business to people outside your organization um i've worked in companies where they actually have no internal email staff don't use email just because it's waste so much time whereas instant message like slack it's an instant message you send a message if the person's there they can answer you straight away that time is instantly saved because you've communicated with them instantly you can send messages you can send video it's searchable and it's a quick kind of way of getting things done whereas email you send it you wait you don't know if the person's read or not you know what i mean so Slack is a great tool and I really recommend it for any company, any business, whether you're two people, 10 people or 100 people, use that, don't email each other. (laughs) Okay, that's some good tips, excellent. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Now, one question, we're getting towards wrapping up now, one question I I like to ask everyone as well is just um, about the use of the word vegan in their company's marketing materials on their website and their branding and and how prominent or not it is. Um, And we know there's the two different schools of thought, like one, it scares people off and the other is no no it's popular now so it's okay i'm curious about what your thoughts on that are and also why you called the new venture plant-based news as opposed to say something to do with vegan news well i think um 
I think the thing is with that is that it's all to do with the way people perceive words. Um, vegan has a whole connotation attached to it, a whole kind of history. And as the vegan movement gets stronger, the more people um, that, that are kind of part of the movement, the kind of bigger it gets and the more threatening it becomes to the wider populace. Um, class chose plant-based news, the word plant-based, just because it made it more open, made it more kind of accessible. It doesn't feel so scary. Not everyone wants to be a vegan, but a lot of people want to stop eating meat. A lot of people want to um, treat animals um more kindly, they don't necessarily want to be associated with the vegan um, organized the vegan movement. Veganism is activism. You know, when you go into a supermarket and you consciously choose not to buy animal products, and you consciously choose to talk about it with your peers and your family, and you consciously choose to kind of like you know alienate yourself from <laughs> society, that is a form of activism in a way. You're kind of standing up to um, an, op an yeah. oppressive system, and I think plant-based just means as it says, it's much more kind of the message, you know, what it says is on the tin, as it were, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. No, for sure. No, that's good. Now, I always love to hear because everybody's got different views on that. So, and there's no right or wrong. So, I just like to. No, yeah, it, it really just depends it. on what you're selling. Like, a lot of people ask me, should we say vegan on our food business or our food products? And I often say to people, well, it's really a really depends on where you live and where you sell your product. I think in places where veganism isn't majorly popular, I'd advise you not to. I'd, I'd, I'd obviously say put vegan friendly or ve put small V's on things, but you know, market your product as you would market any other food product or, or company and, and, and just say it's underpinned by vegan values, but when, don't shout about the vegan message because it is off-putting and it doesn't attract people in. It'll attract the vegans in, but we're 1% of the population, so... Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. No, that's a great answer. Now, before I ask you the final question about kind of where, where PBN is headed, I just wanted to very quickly go back to sharing the content because I know you, you shared some great tips on how, you know, creating engaging content. You mentioned that you didn't really use much, if any, paid advertising on Facebook. So yeah. in that case, do you recommend, because obviously a lot of people are seeing a problem where they're sharing something organically and hardly anyone's liking or sharing their content, not necessarily because it's bad content, but simply because they haven't got, say, enough likes or followers for example for it to even be seen to a, uh, by a decent number of organic uh, likes so would you say like is there do you recommend people building up the amount of likes and followers on their Facebook page and if so do you have any helpful strategies for doing that um, paid advertising does work but it really needs to be done only if you know what you're doing start using paid for advertising once you've read some books done some video training and learn how to target your ads because you can't just sort of like waste thousands of pounds or dollars on doing t on doing paid advertising and and the right not the and the, you know the right people are not seeing your content so I think there is a place for it it just all comes down to targeting correctly um, now as far as building your audience it really is about consistency posting every day we try to post at least three to five times a day and video content if you can put a video up every single day on your Facebook page then you should um, keep it very simple. You could have like update videos. You could have like video kind of meme type things where you just have kind of slideshows coming through talking about your products. Um, so, yeah, I think and, and, may, and always again, always think about your audience. What does your audience want to see? Because if you're, you know, selling knitwear, vegan knitwear, and then you're talking about like, I don't know, uh, swimwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's not gonna it's gonna be it's not gonna work is it people are just not gonna engage with that content um 
and just you know just be don't be too broad don't don't sort of like share all kinds of different stuff like if you're if you're a, like we've got a vegan supermarket in london uh, called Green Bay, and they've got a lot of great social media content, and they they share a lot of stuff about food because obviously they're a supermarket. Yeah. Occasionally they do a bit of like activist type stuff, but they pretty much put all their energy into sharing things around food and vegan food and vegan health and things like that. And 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 all the content does really well and gets a lot of likes and a lot of shares and things like that. So yeah, yeah. no, that's good advice because it's interesting. Like so, for example, with something like plant based news, and I know you say you've got to target the right people, but it can be tricky kind of identifying who those right people are because such a broad range of people would be interested in content even if it's like food related content do, do you see what I mean it can be quite tricky with the actual deciding who shall I put this in front of because it could Absolutely. be you know, 40 year old men or 20 year old women could be you know just as interested yeah it's really hard and I think sometimes asking questions my favorite thing to do really is to ask questions on social media ask a question to your audience one line simple question mark bam and you will get so many responses <laughs> human beings are very opinionated creatures we love yes. to answer questions <laughs> and the thing to like if you ask a question with a, even just on its own without a graphic or an image you will be amazed at how people respond so if you ask your audience what they want to see or, or did they enjoy this or did they like that or share me some pictures of what you ate last night or whatever it is, people just people will throw content at you. People will throw answers at you. You would be amazed. Free market research. Yeah, excellent. absolutely. No, that's that's yeah. really great tips. That's brilliant. Um, so tell me a bit about the final question just to wrap up. What's your long term vision for PBN and yourself? So our long term vision is to build a global audience for change. So that's kind of one of our kind of you know lines of uh direction really so what we would like to do well my kind of like goals is to have a hundred thousand people from every continent that's kind of you know midterm kind of goal and really with that is you know we have an audience of you know engaged people who will share content who will fill out polls who will share activist type content who will share educational content and you know really the audience is not a passive kind of uh, you know entity. They are people who who actively go out and talk about the vegan movement, who talk about vegan food, who talk about animal ethics, who talk about health, and they're kind of doing the work for us. And we're in a really re- unique um, space being a vegan business because you know whether we're selling a vegan food product or whether we are selling um, a vegan fashion brand, you know people love to talk about what we do. And I just find that if you market yourself well and you talk about yourself. In, in a really kind of interesting and non kind of arrogant way, I think people really connect with you and will 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 share your stuff for you. Um, so I think that's the plan really: build a big audience, create amazing content, and sort of keep pushing the vegan message. Wonderful, fantastic! Thank you so much for coming on the show, Robbie. You shared some really good insights and, and information. It's really great to be able to hear from someone, as I say, who's had you know such a lot of success in in a relatively short space of time for the amount of views and uh, engagement that you're getting. So I really Thank appreciate you. you sharing that. I think a lot of people listening um, will get some really great tips from there. And um, I'm Thanks looking so. forward to meeting you later in the year for the yes. uh, vegan trade show, That's which I'm be very great. excited about in London, which is my awesome. first vegan trade show. <laughs> yeah. It's our, because everybody's on which would be yeah fantastic so thank you so much for joining me today brilliant thank you so much so that was Robbie Lockie from Plant Based News you can find out more at plantbasednews.org 
and that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 79. Now for our vegan business news roundup. Australia is set to get its first nationwide vegan restaurant franchise, reports the Gold Coast Bulletin. Natalie Evans, owner of Greenhouse Canteen and Bar at Miami, is opening her first franchise in September, that's 2017 if you're listening in the future, in Coolangatta, a suburb in the state of Queensland's Gold Coast. She describes the eatery as Viglam, her take on upmarket plant-based dining, and says it grew organically as the rise in healthy and plant-based eating grew in Australia. Evans, who's also opened Green Bathhouse, a spa and rejuvenation centre, plans to open her restaurant under a franchise model in every capital city across the country. Fabulous. <laughs> well, I'm certainly looking forward to the Sydney one arriving. And a franchise model is one way to get your brand out there in a big way. Although, as Evans says, it's imperative that franchisees have the same vision. A vegan burger startup in London, UK, raised more than a quarter of a million pounds since it launched its crowdfunding campaign last week, reports Veg News. The Verga Company co-founders Rachel Hugh and Neil Potts launched their whole food-based burgers last summer at a London market. They continued to sell them at pop-ups and catering events, where they became so popular that in May 2017 alone, the company sold more than 1,100 burgers within just 35 and a half hours of operation. Even US hot sauce brand Tabasco contracted the company to create a vegan burger for its summer barbecue campaign. The company's crowdfunding campaign on Crowdcube raised £300,000 in just a few days, way more than its £180,000 target. Hugh and Potts will use the funds for a lease on a permanent location and to cover the initial costs of a restaurant, which they plan to open in early 2018. Wow, this is great news. You may remember that I reported that All Plants plant-based food delivery service recently scored the largest investment in a vegan startup in Europe. And now this. It's fantastic to see the UK really getting behind plant-based eating. Finally, the global non-dairy cheese market is poised to reach 3.52 billion US dollars in 2023, according to research by Market Research Future. The report identifies lactose intolerance as the most significant factor driving the growth of this market, as well as rising numbers of vegans. Soy milk-based cheese is predicted to retain its dominance over non-dairy-based cheeses made from almond milk, coconut milk, rice milk and others, with a market share of 54.3% by the end of 2017. Key players identified in the market are Canadian brand Dyer Foods, US companies Galaxy Nutritional Foods, Kite Hill Cheese, Tofuti Brands and Follow Your Heart, plus Greek brand Violife Foods and UK company Boot Island Foods. 
It's fantastic to see this sector continuing to grow. Vegan cheese has had its challenges over the years, and I've certainly tasted my fair share of bland, rubbery alternatives, (laughs) particularly when I first went vegan in the mid-90s. But nowadays, the options are far more enticing and delicious. Great news. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now. 